For broadcasting opportunities on Wildfire Radio, go to wildfireradio.com and click Contacts. For advertising opportunities on any of our shows, go to wildfireradio.com and click on Advertise. And remember, for all of your concert and sporting event tickets, go to SeatGiant.com and use code WILDFIRE at checkout for a great discount. Welcome to Small Bites with Glenn Gross and Derek Tim. We hope you're hungry. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, this is Small Bites on Wildfire Radio. I'm Glenn Gross. I own Fat Jack's Barbecue in Philly, New York. And uh, I have a confession to make. I got called into the principal's office uh, this week. Uh, I sort of told a joke last week, or two weeks ago. That wasn't was that two weeks ago? It was, you know. No, it wasn't. It was, it was about two weeks ago. And it wasn't quite in the best taste, so I do apologize if I've offended anybody. Uh, however, I don't apologize to Derek. I uh, know I really do. <laughs> and he's across from me, and his name is what? Derek Tim of BlueJeanFood.com. I'm away for two weeks, and geez. Well... Well, I was supposed to be watching him. Exactly, exactly. But <laughs> you know, who, you, you know, you, you know who I fully blame? John. John Howard Fusco. It was though, his fault. The nightlife correspondent of the Carrier Post and also <laughs> correspondent for New Jersey Monthly. How's it going there, John? Evening, guys. How are we John? all doing? Excellent, excellent. <laughs> all right. Well, the big news this past week in the Philly food area, well, of course, the opening of Yards Brewing, which opened up their massive new more than Northern Liberties Brewing Facility and Tasting Room. Uh, how massive? We're talking 70,000 square feet of space. Oh, wow. And there's also a food menu that they're offering as well, which is the first time for Yards. Uh, this was created by Chef James Burke. Uh, some of the many items, I got to scan the, the menu. Uh, some of the appetizers, they got Reuben fritters, they have pork belly kebabs, and foie gras poutine. And then on the entree side, they have a venison chili and also a Yards barbecue platter. So that just opened this past Thursday, and from the pictures I saw, it looks like it's already massively popular. So uh, that's Yards Brewing, their new place on New England Liberties. Now, taking over their old spot in Delaware Avenue is going to be Craft Hall, which is being built as a bakery, brew house, and barbecue kitchen. They're not open just yet, but right now they're going to be holding a pop-up version uh, of their restaurants. It's going to start happening uh, on November 24th, run through December 23rd. It's going to be right by the Christmas tree at Sydney Hall. So if you want to know where it is, just find the tree, and they'll be right by it. So there you go as far as directions. Uh, Philly Magazine is reporting that uh, Chef Kevin Sparaga is back in business. Uh, as you know, he had closed all of his fat ham restaurants recently and uh, was sort of out of the scene for a while, but he's going to be back with a new concept that he's working with called Fiddler Club. This is going to be in Center City. He's been hired as their the club's executive chef and culinary director, uh, but you'll have to wait a little while. The ETA of Fiddler Club is not till early 2019, so no time yet before that will open. Uh, if you're thinking about going out for Thanksgiving, obviously Thanksgiving is this Thursday, you want to go out. Uh, Food Booze is reporting that uh, 
Poyero in Queen Village is doing a Turkey Day-inspired menu that's a little Venezuelan flair. Uh, one of the items on their menu is called a Turkey Day Cachapa. Cachapa is a sweet corn pancake, and they're going to be covering it with turkey, gravy, mozzarella, and a side of cranberry sauce. Uh, and their Turkey Day menu is going to be uh, available through November 26th. Quickly on the Jersey side of things, uh, Cooper House recently closed its doors. That's a restaurant owned by the, uh, by the county and along the Cooper River. Uh, but there's going to be a new operator taking over the restaurant. It's uh, being operated by La Scala Restaurant Group. They run La Scala's and La Scala's Bira in Philadelphia. It sounds like the La Scala's Bira concept, which is basically pizza and beer, is going to be the concept at the, uh, what used to be Cooper House. Uh, so we'll have to see when that actually is going to open. Uh, German supermarket uh, discount chain Little opened its first location in New Jersey this week, opened down in Vineland, so they're continuing their conquest of the United States. And if you guys are interested in buying a loot, a food landmark, the Chatterbox in Ocean City is up for sale. God, there you go. It has an 80-plus year history, and the price tag is just under a million dollars. So I'm sure when you guys can put out your list change. Wow. That's amazing. John? Well, John, thank you so much. As usual, uh, wealth and knowledge. Uh, we're off next week. You and your family have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll talk to you again yes, December sir. 3rd. All right, guys. Have a good one. Have a good one. And uh, normally we joke around a lot on Small Bites. Yes, we do. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, this week we're going to get to a serious topic. Yes, we are. Uh, we have a gentleman in studio, Tony Luke Jr. Of course, uh, probably all know him. He's yep. famous for cheesesteaks, uh, roast pork things of that nature uh it's the week of family thanksgiving uh it's a big party night coming up but tony wants to spread a message he started a movement uh campaign called hashtag brown and white i'm gonna let tony talk a little bit about the campaign it's personal in nature uh welcome in studio uh sorry to have you in under these circumstances Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. Uh, uh, no problem. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what Brown and White is? Well, Brown and White started out as a, it still is, but it is a social media movement. Uh, kids today are always on their cell phone. They're on their iPads. They're on their galaxies. their notebooks. They don't really interact with each other anymore. So we wanted to get the word out. Hashtag brown and white is the two primary colors of heroin. And um, anyone who's listening to this show, if, if, you, if your life has not been affected by addiction, um, and I pray that it doesn't, the likelihood is it will, or at least someone that you know or you are close to. Um, my son battled addiction, but... What I watched him go through and battle, sometimes it was even more difficult than battling the addiction, was the stigma that is associated with, uh, with addiction. And it's crushing. I mean, it's, it's, parents get frustrated, you get frustrated. You, when you lose a child under those circumstances, the first thing that comes to mind is what could I have done differently? What could I have done to stop this? With addiction, the real answer is you, you don't know. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, and when I speak, I try to talk about those things that I wish I would have done differently. But does that mean my son would still be alive? It does not. It's the stigma that crushes them. So how do we do it? There's no handbook. There's no... 
I didn't know what to do. Families are ashamed. They don't talk about it. They sweep it under the rug. Um, so how do I get people speaking? How do I get them talking? So originally, a group of friends of mine got together and we came up with hashtag brown and white. And what we wanted to do originally was have people that lost a loved one post their picture on social media with the hashtag brown and white with the message that their loved one was not weak and they were not a loser. They were a human being that they loved, that struggled, and lost the battle to addiction. To come out and and start speaking about it because we can't fix anything if we don't talk about it. Exactly. You know, I go to these... Um, uh, these meetings and town meetings and I just did one in Washington Township which is a very large area there might have been 70 people there so am I supposed to understand that in the entire township of Washington Township only 70 people have have an addiction problem well I think that falls into where you're saying it's the stigma exactly people, they don't want their neighbors to see them exactly there. they right. don't want to be there or be seen like this is their child's fault now look we make decisions, okay? And people are accountable for those decisions. But once you're in the grip of addiction, you're self-medicating is what you're doing. Because let me tell you something. There is a huge difference, and people just don't seem to understand this. There is a major difference between someone with a drug problem and someone who is suffering from addiction. They are not the same entity. No. They're not. People with addiction problems are self-medicating. There are problems that that high, that addiction is covering up a deeper and a more, and when I say even more serious problem, and you would say, well, what could be losing your family, losing your home, losing your life? Well, it's obviously something that is so devastating to them that they cannot face that. And the opioids, which are highly addictive, help in that manner of them escaping. <clears throat> So there's, you know, recovery, recovery homes do a great job. Look, everyone that's out there, police, hospitals, I don't fault anyone. Everyone is trying the best that they can. But from what I've seen, 30 days rehab helps someone with a drug problem. It doesn't help someone with drug addiction. I agree. You it's, know, it's, it's a lifelong battle. Right, and you've got to get to the root of the issue of why people are self-medicating in the first place. So I thought, where do I go? What do I do? So I picked the lane. And my, my lane was the awareness. I mean, everyone's aware of the addiction. Yes. But what I'm trying to make people aware of, they know there's a stigma. I need them to understand the weight that that stigma is putting on people that are trying to battle their way free of addiction, it makes it a thousand times harder. Talk openly instead of trying to sweep the problems or hide them in the community. Because I'm sure, as, as you're saying, if people started to come out and say, this is happening to my cousin, this is happening to my son, this is happening to my wife or my husband, if pe people would... I think currently now, listen to that person and say, oh, I feel so f sorry for you, but they won't share their personal story in return. No, because it, it, it's part of the battle. But what happened with the movement was originally, like I said, it started as posting a picture, which I still ask people to do. But then what was happening was people that were struggling in recovery 
were going on and they were using the hashtag because I had mentioned that one of the biggest reasons I got involved is that my son was not a statistic and he was not a number. He is. He's categorized as a statistic or a number, but he was a human being. And I and all of a sudden, all those struggling were hashtagging brown and white and then hashtagging I am not a number. So all of a sudden, hashtag brown and white became like this social media support group for not just getting information out, for recovery centers to use the hashtag and say, hey, we're here, for um, uh, the, uh, the court systems and you know, trying to change the laws that they're trying to change to get the information out. So hashtag brown and white kind of became like this. Like a highway. Like a highway. Sure, it's an information highway yeah, for and, what you're trying to. And it's, there's no judging on that highway. It's very supportive. And we go through that using the hashtag. So... From there, it went to me speaking to families, trying to get them to understand. Because here's the thing. Loss. You can't understand. You can't understand the loss of a child unless you went through it. So, but even that loss, that loss, as devastating as it is, becomes manageable. Manageable. To have a message in their memory. Right. Guilt is never managed. Guilt will drag you into a hole, which I promise you, you will never come out of. We're raised to know that we're going to bury our grandparents. We're raised to know that we're going to bury our mother or father. We're raised to know we're going to bury a sibling or a spouse. Your mind can't wrap. Wrap the thought of a child. You, you, it just it, it goes against every principle that we've ever been taught. Tone, how many people have you reached? Do you think? I don't know. I try to reach as many as I can. But the thing is, Glenn, he reaches one person. That person reaches That's, another. Yeah. He'll never just, know. That, he'll never know the true and effect. And with the message, I, I applaud you because you actually just recently spoke down in Washington D.C. for uh, Mentor Foundation USA. They hosted an ambassadors for drug-free youth. We all know major change is Washington, D.C. Policy has to be instituted, especially with the opioids. They're mixing it with fentanyl, which is it's chemicals. The, the drug dealers know that they can go into a lab and hook you stronger than ever and turn a drug problem into an addiction strictly by science. Uh, Law enforcement has to be on our side, which I think they are, but we also have to have the policymakers on our side. Uh, I don't think that there's any words that anybody could ever say to you to replace what has gone on, but by the message, it's a memory and a message that you're putting out there for everyone to know. It's not going to be fixed unless we talk about it. That's correct. Right. We, we have to talk about it, and we have, to, we have to get past the shame, and we have to let these people struggling know that we support them and love them. And I tell parents, don't enable. I, I'm, 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 I, I'm never suggesting enabling, but let them know that when they want help, that you'll move mountains to do it, that they need to know that you love them while they're using or they're not using, and know that that's not your loved one. 
That's addiction. When you get frustrated and you want to choke them or you want to throw them through a wall, what you want to throw through a wall or choke is addiction. Your loved one's in there, but addiction takes over and it has tunnel vision and it's one-sided and it knows where it wants to go and it is the greatest manipulator in the world. It convinces you that it's the only one that loves you and addiction is a liar. And by hashtagging brown and white, we get a trend going, and then kids that aren't, don't even know what hashtag brown and white is, they see this hashtag trending, and they get on, and then more people get on, and that's what we're praying for. Well, Tony, I want to thank you for coming in studio. As I said, we, we joke around a lot on Small Bites, but it's the holiday season. This is a message that everyone needs to have at the dinner table come Thanksgiving. This is the message that needs to go viral on social media on Wednesday, the night before everyone's going out to meet their family, because everyone in the industry knows that Wednesday night's one of the busiest nights of the year. So for that, I thank you, and I hope that hashtag brown and white not only helps those in the United States, that this goes global, because the opioid crisis is a global crisis, and without us talking about it, There's not going to be any answers. And if there's anything that we can do here, don't hesitate to reach out. And I thank you for coming out. Well, I appreciate you having me. I really do. And uh, as I said, normally we joke around. It was a serious subject. Yes, it was. But what we're going to talk about now is more Thanksgiving sort of events and try to turn this negative of Tony's son into a positive for everyone. But we also want everyone to know that we don't want them to hide in the closets and not come out and not talk. So in that turn, we want them to come out and go to family-oriented events and talk to people. And as such, we have Chef Oliver Mungia with us. He's the uh, executive chef of Kagan Kitchen in Westmont, New Jersey. They're part of the Haddon Square Winterfest this Saturday and Sunday from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m., Santa's going to be there, all sorts of holiday events. So that's the sort of thing that we're, we're looking to drive is families to come out. This is the time, this of, is the year. time of year. This is the time of year to talk about things, and we need to talk about things. We need no, to. No, you're absolutely right. Chef, I have one quick question. Did Derek get your name right? Yes. Yeah, very good. <laughs> okay. Very good. And, uh, and Chef, uh, that's unusual. It, it's a pleasure having you on. Well, and, thank you for uh, having me here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Keg and Kitchen? Keg and Kitchen is the sort of uh, location that we want a social atmosphere to go on. It's perfect to sit down. You have a wonderful selection of craft beers, and uh, you've come on board lately to spice the menu up a bit. Yeah, to bring things up, change things a little bit, make it a little more modern. Kick it up. Well, you definitely well, did. Well, you kicked it up with, the, with what, what, what you, you brought. brought. Yeah, 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 definitely. definitely yeah. Did, what, is, what is it? Why don't you describe what you brought in the studio? Uh, that's the Diablo flatbread, the one I brought with the spicy marinara sauce. Shaved red onions, uh, shishito peppers, pepperoni. It's finished with some grated pecorino. And another one is a, a coconut curry shrimp with some coconut rice. Pretty awesome. Lemongrass, mango, cilantro, ginger, all in the sauce for the shrimp. So you just opened up a can and dumped this in here, right? right? Yeah, they sell it at every supermarket. <laughs> now, the shrimp are absolutely delicious, as absolutely is the pizza. Nice. Yeah. Now, this isn't your first rodeo. Absolutely I mean, not. Obviously... Keg and Kitchen isn't the sort of place that we would envision uh, because Billy Penn just named you one of Philadelphia's 
15 best up-and-coming chefs. So to go from wow. Philadelphia to Westmont, New Jersey, really isn't the move that we normally see. <laughs> Wait a minute. Coming from Park, coming from a couple other places down in... You work in Rittenhouse, right? What, what, yeah. was, yeah. what drew you to that location? I moved to Jersey. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait uh, a minute. That's honest. You were honest, right? Yep. I'm sure they were welcomed you with open arms, that's for sure. Yes, yes it did. What yeah. was one of the struggles uh, or difficulties when you first came into the kitchen there? It just seemed different from the city. Uh, it's more modern. And up here, it just, had, had I just more. felt like I was in a different place, <laughs> in the countryside or something. So well, I had you to are, bring actually. my kind of twist to it. So, And what is your twist? I like molecular gastronomy, you know, like foams, the sparification, things like that. I've worked in a lot of restaurants, so what I do is I take things I've learned and put my own twist to everything to make it mine. In a sense, so I know a lot of flavors, Caribbean, French, Italian, modern, American, everything. So. Where are you from originally? Nicaragua. Oh, mm. so you throw in a couple, couple some influences there, huh? Yeah. Carne asada, you know. Nice. Yep. Right. <laughs> and where where did you go to school? The Art Institute in Philadelphia. Oh, so you, you came to Philadelphia. What drew you to Philadelphia from Nicaragua? Uh, when we came over here, there was a war over there. My parents brought us over when I was two, and I've been here ever since. Oh. Well, in Philly and now I'm in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you crossed the bridge. Yes. <laughs> so Keg and Kitchen, I see it's communal tables. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, we have long tables. So that's that's all the whole dining area. Uh, no, they have okay. a big one view. Okay, communal. How does a communal table work? You just oh, no, just no, no. sit in a bunch table. of chairs. No. Anybody can sit. Yeah, do they all sit together. They share. Yeah, they, they sit they... together. Oh, no, they don't share. Okay, I mean, just making sure. Glenn, if you came over, I just want to share. I just want to make sure. Imagine having Glenn. You're ready to have a great meal. Let's put it this way: I'll have to go to communion after that communal table. Wait a minute. If if I have this shrimp in front of me and John, you come over and I don't even know you and you're grabbing that, you're going to get punched in the head. I'm going to stick my thumb in your shrimp. But also, one of the highlights of Keg and Kitchen is. You have a plethora of small batch breweries there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it, it's a wonderful lineup, especially for South Jersey. Yep. How do they source it? Do you have any insight into the beers? Because I know a lot of chefs like to do beer pairings for meals. Well, we haven't done any pairings yet. We're, I just got there, so I just started changing everything around, getting the old kitchen in order. But that's come in the making. So that'll be up soon. So what would you say are a few things that you would personally like to change at Keg and uh, Kitchen soon? Well, I've changed a lot of things now. Don't, don't, you, you came like, in and just yeah, the don't menu, change this out, shrimp. Out, they gave out, me the don't change that I put shrimp, that no. on the menu. I put a lot of new things on the menu. A lot of things were basic to me when I got there. So I just had to twist everything around. If you look at the menu, they have the old menu, and now they have the menu that I put up. Now there's a lot of changes on there. Now the question is... Do you have a cheesesteak on there? I have a cheesesteak wrap. Mm, uh-oh. A cheesesteak wrap. Oh. Yep. Shave her by. Okay. okay. That, that's an interesting... What, what would you think of that, Tony? A, a cheesesteak wrap. It definitely will not be as sloppy as a <laughs> cheesesteak in the raw. I will tell you that. I, look, I'm a huge fan of even cheesesteak egg rolls. So, oh. you know, I like that. I love the idea of putting I see them on a lot of menus. Yeah. They're, they're and, everywhere. Yeah. And, they're, it, it, and think about it, too, because with the roll, the roll is, is important. It's very important. Now, when you take a cheesesteak wrap, 
Because even though, believe it or not, people think that wraps are less calories than no, rolls. They're no, not. They're really not. <laughs> they're not. But they're very dense. But what happens is you get more of the steak flavor because it has nowhere to go. It doesn't get absorbed into that bread. You know exactly, what I mean? So exactly. Exactly. Tasting. It's a different taste. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's different, different taste. Vibe. It's yeah. a different vibe. Yeah. Now, have you noticed any change from the diners? Because some chefs who have left Philadelphia to come to Jersey have complained that they've had to educate the diners a little bit of what they're serving. Have you run into that? The server is running back and saying, Chef, what is this exactly? Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> Sous vide is like a thing from another world up there. Oh, yeah, is it? Is it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So do you go out and explain? Do you go table side if you well, have we to? We train the servers and everything. Okay. They have printouts and everything describing the sous vide and everything. And as soon as I take sous vide off of the title for the same exact thing. And they, 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 they do it. Yeah, well, it confuses <laughs> them. Yeah. It confuses as as them. off. Wow. So you're, you're just going to have to name things a little yeah. bit, a little bit differently. Yep, did you bring the machinery in, or did, yes? Okay, so there was never in the building. There no. wasn't sous vide. Yeah, no. so it's they're, they're probably all watching you when you use it. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Everybody watching. Explain, <laughs> like explain what what we're talking about. It's an immersion circulator. Yeah, uh, you cryovac things, and uh, you keep it immersed in water, and it keeps it at the same temperature, so it will never overcook. It'll always be exactly how you want it. Yeah, a lot so of restaurants are using it, and it's it's incredible for for um, keeping your product consistent. Yep. Well, that's that's fantastic. Well, Sh Chef Oliver, thank you so much for coming in. Keg and Kitchen It's going to be a great place for holidays. Make sure you go this Saturday and Sunday to the Haddon Square, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m.? Or oh, 8 p.m. Yeah, 9 p.m. if you're a late stretch. <laughs> start with yeah. Start with the flatbread. Get the shrimp. Exactly, exactly. And uh, feel free to share your address or social medias or anything else. <laughs> How about website? How about website? The website is uh, Keg and Kitchen Restaurant. There you oh, go. It says you're convenient to the <laughs> on Facebook. You're, you're convenient to the Westmont Paco Speed Line. Yep. And yes. Right near seventy Route Thirty, Route One Thirty. You're right there. Wherever you need yep. to come from. It's easy to get there. Yes, Perfect. <laughs> well, talking about getting there, we're almost there at the holidays. Thanksgiving is right around the corner, as we've mentioned multiple times. And we've got the perfect person online with us, Andrew Oppenheimer. He is the spokesperson for True Whip. Andrew, how's it going tonight? Hey, guys. How are we doing? We are doing great. Now, uh, Andrew, a True Whip is uh, from Peak Foods, and you're in Whole Foods markets nationwide. And what I really liked about this is it it's a, a healthier version. I'm not going to say healthy, but a much healthier version, uh, eco-conscious version of whipped cream. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it in your own words? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so minor correction. So with, it's not actually whipped cream. Uh, we, we call ourselves whipped topping. We are, uh, non-dairy. It's, um, we're not completely dairy free, but, um, but yeah, uh, true whip and true world are, uh, frozen whip topping. So obviously great for, uh, the holidays coming up to, um, top all your pumpkin pie and desserts and various cakes and things. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're standouts in a, in a, you know, a frozen whip topping category that's, um, you know, not always, uh, you know, chock full of, uh, of all natural options or options that are, um, you know, slightly better for you. Uh, again, I'm, I'm with you. I don't want to say um, totally healthy. There, there is certainly some sugar and some fat in there, but, um, 
but we don't contain any uh, high fructose corn syrup. We're non-GMO um, project verified, no hydrogenated oils, uh, no no trans fat, anything like that. So, you know, we uh, it's a, it's obviously great tasting, but also you know it's it's nice not to not to have to put all the all the junk in your body when you yeah. want a little yeah, Andrew, that sounds fantastic. It sounds really crisp and clear. I mean, with Thanksgiving this week, we know that you have a new decorating product called True Whirl to make decorating easier for everyone around the holidays. How does it differ from True Whip, and how do you use it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, True Whirl is our uh, is our latest product, um, and we just released it this last year. And um, it's it's essentially the the same um, formulation as, as True Whip. Um, so all the things I just mentioned, no high fructose, no, no high fructose corn syrup, all that stuff. None of that's in there. But um, instead of a a, a tub, um, a frozen tub, which is um, you know True Whip, which you would have to take out of the freezer and um, and thaw out for about four hours in your fridge, um, True Whirl comes in a decorator bag, and um, you could take it out of the freezer and you know in about an, uh, under an hour, it's pretty much thawed out and ready to go. And it's a it's a real nice alternative to. Uh, your aerosol toppings that um, that obviously aren't aren't real uh, eco conscious because you got you know aerosol gas in there and a, a, a container that's not recyclable. Um, this is a is a bag you can you can decorate it with it, but um, it's also going to stand up a lot uh, a lot longer on your cakes, your pies, all your decorated products um, longer than an aerosol would. An aerosol topping you put on a cake or a pie, and about a, you know forty five minutes later, it's basically a, a little puddle there now and, uh, with true world it'll stand up for a, a few hours there. now more and more brands are going into all natural and non-gmo products why do you think that is well i think um i think overall you know consumers and shoppers are, are uh, i think they're they're wanting uh, you know just demanding really better products um from companies out there and they you know as i mentioned earlier they're they're looking in particularly you know the dessert category the sweets category they they realize that um, some of these things are not going to be amazing for you, but there's certain ingredients out there that we just, you know, don't want in our bodies. And and um, certain products, you know, that haven't changed their formulas in, in you know, over 50 years. And, and obviously, food science has come a long way, um, both in, in both a good direction and a bad direction. And I think that uh, consumers are, are, are smarter now, and everything is so researchable. People can get online and go, well, what exactly is in this, and how is it made? And so you have a lot more discerning um you know, eaters out there, whether they're foodies or, or, or they just want to feed their family something that's um, slightly better for you. And so I think, you know, it, it, it causes um, companies just to increase their transparency and increase um, the cleanliness of their, of their products out there. So essentially, you're just following the trend. You're giving people what they want, healthier food, healthier options. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing, it's nothing radical. We just believe right. that you should be able to enjoy your food and, and not feel terrible about the ingredients that are going in your body do you see yourself going into uh partners partnering with restaurants to say hey the dessert it's topped with true whip true whirl would do you see that becoming a, a natural progression yeah and and we yeah i mean and we've started to do that we um peak foods does do some um you know a little bit of food service work as well and so and and we've seen that there as well it's not just on the retail side where consumers are wanting maybe a little bit cleaner um ingredient decks in their products it, it's also on the food service side and you know you know wait staff are being asked more and more critical questions and so are chefs and so we've seen a little bit of that just um you know people trying to you know wanting a, a topping that's going to stand up and look great and, and taste great but also um you know knowing what ingredients are in there and knowing that um 
that you know they're getting a, a quality product um, aside from just tasting and looking good. Exactly. Now we all know this is the time of year where the table's probably going to be covered with tons and tons of desserts. Probably ten different pies. Pumpkin. That's right. That ten. Oh yeah. What, oh yeah. What's, Sweet potato pie. So, what's your favorite dessert to add True Whip to? Well, I'm, I I do like uh, I do like pies. I'm not for some reason I don't I I err on the on the pumpkin or pecan side of the pie spectrum. Uh, fruit pies are okay. I'm I'm not I'm not you know not bagging on them, but I I do like kind of the the pumpkin pecan side of things. And obviously, true up goes well with all of them, but um, but I do like that. And I like I like cakes too. It's it's funny you know Thanksgiving isn't not made it's known as the pie holiday, not necessarily the cake holiday, but um, but there's some. Uh, some great cakes out there too that that are kind of holiday themed and, and uh, actually all of our Instagram there's a lot of great um, a lot of great recipes our uh, our Instagram handle is um, is just at True Whip P R U W H I P and you could and we get a lot of users that are just you know want to want to take pictures of their of their uh, creations and send them in so we've got a lot of great uh, you know food pics of, of uh, some great different desserts but, well, but yeah there's a man this is the this is the time of year to do it exactly well thank you so much for calling in Andrew uh, for true whip uh, make sure you go out get it uh, go to the website uh, have yourself a happy holidays and you're selling the dessert topping that everybody definitely needs have yourself oh, a great yeah, night. absolutely. Check it out at truewhip.com. You guys can check it out on our, our store finder as well and type in your area code. It should be available whole, most Whole Foods. I think ShopRite's near you guys in the Philly area. So, yeah, Perfect. enjoy. Perfect. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank, thank you so Thanks much. So, we've talked about Thanksgiving. We've talked about dessert. We what need, else is we, there we, left? We, we need someone who's going to come in and just cook for me privately. Well, that's not me. Well, no, I'm it's not, not doing you. that. That's why I have Chef Richard Ingraham online. He is the private chef of NBA star Dwayne Wade and his wife, Gabrielle Union. Wow. But more importantly, Glenn, he's launching his first cookbook, Eating Well to Win. How's it going there, Chef Richard? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? We are doing great. So... You have put the book out. You obviously are a private chef and have extreme success in what you've done. You've even have your own private chef network with Chef R-L-I-L-L-C. Why don't you tell us a little bit yeah. about yourself and how you got started? Well, uh, you know, I got started the same way, uh, you know, most chefs have, watching their grandmothers and mothers in the kitchen, you know. Uh, and whomever have been in the kitchen and just trying to emulate certain dishes and things like that. Uh, but as far as Dwayne is concerned, it was just a mutual friend of ours uh, who uh, happens to be his manager, gave me a call one day and asked if I wanted to cook for an NBA player. And I said, who? And she said, Dwayne Wade. <laughs> okay. And during that time, he had just come from uh, Marquette. Uh, to the heat, so I didn't really know who he was. So I said, "Well, you know, I don't know who that is." She said, "Well, I tell you what, Google him, and you call me back and let me know if this is something you want to do." So I googled him, and immediately I called him back and I said, uh, "Yeah, I think so." Now, so, uh, now, after you cook for him <laughs> and say uh, he, he eats his meal, then he goes to the stadium and he has a terrible game. Do you take personal responsibility for that? <laughs> um, sometimes I do. Uh, I, I definitely. I definitely ask him, you know, how did you feel, you know, during the fourth quarter, third quarter, whenever I felt that, you know, he was lethargic or whatever. And, uh, you know, it was, in particular, it was one game uh, when he was with the Heat where he had cramps in the fourth quarter and couldn't go on. 
and, um, you know, his potassium was low. So I kind of took that to heart, you know, because I think that I should have known uh, that his potassium was low or uh, should have supplied him with enough potassium so he could have finished out the game. So I do. I take it to heart well, when he doesn't have a well, let's, game. Let's put it the, me, well, let's I put it this way. Let's, let's put it this way. I don't think you need to take things to heart when you've <laughs> let him win three NBA championships. So it's time to stop cooking for him and come cook for some of the 76ers because if yeah. you're here in Philadelphia, you're tired of losing, damn it. <laughs> how, how, let me, now you just said you took responsibility or you felt responsible for his potassium being low. How would you know? What would what would make you think, hey, he could have some low potassium? Well, 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 you know. well, well, well what happens is, it's, and it's the same thing that I tell the chefs uh, that work in our company. Communication is key. Uh, you know, it's come to find out he, he felt a little fatigued and he had been suffering with some cramps earlier on in the week. Had I, you know, had a conversation with him, you know, done my, you know, my due diligence, then maybe I would have supplied him with enough potassium so that he would have been able to, to you know, to uh, play well in the game. Gotcha. So that's, that's basically what I mean, you know. And also, like we said, you have taught culinary arts at a Miami high school. Uh, so you're used to knowing what it takes to, to personalize it and to teach people the skills to be successful. But the new venture that you've taken upon yourself is your new cookbook, Eating Well to Win, Inspired yeah. Living Through Inspired Cooking. Why don't you tell us, Correct. out of all the cookbooks we need to go buy these holiday seasons, why should we buy yours? Well, I think uh, the movement right now is to eat healthier. Uh, and, uh, and with this book, uh, I've taken pride in taking some dishes that we're familiar with but just giving it a healthier twist. And uh, when we say healthy, you know, so many people turn their noses up because you think you got to go out and eat some tree bark and some grass, you know. And <laughs> You mean uh, I've been doing it all wrong? Funny. Yes. You've been doing it all wrong all this time, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, what I'm doing with this book is letting you know that you can eat healthier and still have a lot of flavor. For instance, I have one of the recipes in the book, that's a shepherd's pie that everyone has had shepherd's pie before. But instead of using ground beef, I'm using ground bison because it's a leaner protein. All the vegetables are organic vegetables. I'm adding some that are not normally in there as well. Um, and then instead of using mashed potatoes for the topping, I'm using a golden cauliflower puree. Um, and in doing that, now you're taking the gluten out of the, uh, you're taking the gluten out of the dish. And you're making it healthier because you're using a vegetable product. And then, you know, just because I believe that moderation is key as well, we still have a little cheese on the top, a little smoked gouda <laughs> and a little cheddar, you know. So the dish is healthier, but it's still warm, inviting, and comforting. And it's not something that you're intimidated by when you start to talk about eating healthier. So that's an example of what you took a <clears throat> quote-unquote traditional dish and turned it into a healthier dish. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So what would what was the most difficult part that you found of writing your first cookbook? Uh, being consistent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was starting the book, then I would stop. Then I would start the book again, and <laughs> then I would stop. So actually, it took a publishing company uh, to come to me and ask that I want to write a book. <laughs> and then at that point, I was held accountable 
I had a timeline. I had deadlines mm-hmm. okay. uh, that I had to follow. So, you know, I didn't want to look like a complete and utter nut. So <laughs> I had to make sure that, uh, you know, I stuck to my timelines, you know, being that it was my first book. And I wanted to be the best product ever. So now it was pushing. So I wanted to make sure the pictures were vivid. I wanted to make sure the language was not something that was intimidating to the first time cook, but also not too elementary so that someone who was a little bit more advanced would not want to purchase the book as well. And obviously, you're the person to present that information because you've partnered and you're an ambassador for Walmart, Goya Foods, and the National Pork Producers Council, and you've been presenting at the Food Network Cook and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival every year since 2011. It, it, definitely, everyone go out, purchase the book. Chef Richard, it was a pleasure talking to you. Before you go, why don't you give us any Thank social you. medias or websites or anything like that? Well, our website is chefrli.com. Uh, very simple. The uh, Instagram that we go by is chefrli. Our Facebook is Chef Richard Ingram. Perfect. Well, it was uh, excellent talking to you. Have yourself a happy holiday. And uh, like I said, maybe you want to come up, talk to the Sixers a little bit. Yeah, we, we could use at least one championship. I'm not, I, I'm not greedy. I don't need three. Maybe just one. So have right, yourself, just one. Okay. Have yourself a great night. Well, thank you so much for having me. Take I care, Chef. It. Take care. Okay. Good night. Thanks. Bye-bye. So we've got the private chef to come in, and once he leaves, he can, he'll can he leave his cookbook for us. Yes. And I can cook it myself. And then you can screw up his recipes, right? Hopefully. Right. We've got a couple of events to go through, but we've still got one final thing to do to make it a proper holiday. Yeah, what do you think that would be? Well, to end the night, it's always good to have a nice cheer with a handcrafted limoncello from Polyod. And it just so happens that That they're in the studio. That they're in the studio. Joan Verratti. Hi, how are you? Oh, perfect. She sounds wonderful, doesn't she? She has a radio voice. There you go. You're in Derek's place next week. (laughs) Just bring some more of that chocolate cello. Bring the lemon. Well, I have to say, Joan, I am quite impressed with you. You have quite a story. We're going to go through as much as we can from how you started out to being the first woman distiller in the state of Pennsylvania, but let's start from the beginning. What made it come to about that you wanted to create Polyod for everyone? Well, the loss of my son got me into this business. I actually um, had no purpose, and I actually had this old Italian recipe, and I um, started playing with it for over two years, and this is how I got involved by losing my son. And I came up with this, uh, these 10 fabulous flavors that I have. So what was the first flavor? My first flavor was lemon. Of course you've got to go. My second flavor was orange. My third flavor was lime. And my fourth flavor was chocolate water base. So they're the, they were the four water base. Well, if the two in the middle are anything like the two that we have here, oh, my God. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. And I don't drink. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> well, Derek, Derek makes me drink. Yes, yes. He leads me to drink. And... You stated that you had many, many trial and errors going through the process. I personally like to hear more of the error parts of the story. The error parts of the story are um, actually um, two years of trial and tribulations. They went down the drain. Oh, how how did they go down the drain? Literally. Literally down the drain because um, it was 
everything had to be to my palate. I didn't like it. So for two years, that's what happened back and forth to each single flavor, lemon, chocolate, lime, and orange. So um, after these uh, trials and tribulations, they they actually um, came to fruition. Is I wound up getting them uh, correct through my palate. Is and my uh, husband took it with math, and that's how he came up with the recipe. Oh, how'd you come up with the name Polyod? Uh, my uh, husband, when he was a little boy, he used to sit at the bottom of the steps and wait for his dad to play with him. So this one Saturday, he uh, sat there and he said to his dad, he said, Dad, what's wrong with you? And he said, I got polyod last night. <laughs> so uh, we use it as a drunken term. Okay. Polyod means to get whacked, to get a crack, to get a slap. So cool. polyod is spelled phonetically and when you drink it, and if you drink enough of it, you will get You'll poly get polyod. Yeah. <laughs> Pure grain alcohol, you definitely will. The chocolate is just fantastic. Tony's nodding his head. <laughs> right? Now, also, you mentioned, you obviously, you know many uh, Italians. Uh, we've said that you know Donato Marino of DNL. Yes, hi, Donato Co- Marino. Thank you. Uh, coffee services. Uh, tell me, what is the proper Italian tradition to enjoy a limoncello to enjoy a limoncello it is basically a digestivo after you uh, oh. fin- a digestive <laughs> i just I, it, it helps if you clap it out for glenn yes <laughs> <laughs> so actually at the end of your meal <laughs> at the oh, end- i like her <laughs> <laughs> At the end of your meal, while you're after after you have your meal, you have your cup of coffee and you have um, your or your cappuccino and you have your <clears> little <throat> shot of limoncello. So limoncello is in fact the last. It's it's the meal, the dessert, the espresso, or the coffee, and then limoncello. Yes, and actually you sip on it, and it will make you digest. And actually, the to digest is to mean you're going to burp a little bit. Well, then that fits right into Derek's line. (laughs) And you will digest your meal with it. And it's not just used for digestion. Um, I just want to take it out of the box with the 10 flavors that I do have. And I want to show people that you actually can make fabulous cocktails with two simple ingredients. You will have the freshest cocktail that you've ever had in your life. As a matter of fact, um, we do... um, I do. I, I have, there's an art gallery on Passionk Avenue that we do our events every weekend. They do events, I'm sorry, not we, every weekend, every month. And they use our product, and it's called Raxo Fine Art. And what they do is they actually buy, um, because they're Latin, they buy, nine, they buy one bottle can make you three batches. So they actually buy, uh, I do nine batches of mangoladas for them which is my mango product and if you use eight ounces of mango eight ounces of coconut rum and eight ounces of pineapple juice it, we call it a mangolada instead of a pina colada but that's exactly what it tastes mm. like and they also like it because it's it's latin and they also love my margaritas i make them nine batches of margaritas i use eight ounces of our fresh orange eight ounces of 22 fresh squeezed limes and eight ounces of a beautiful um Tequila. Okay. Mm. And so this is what he uses every month at his gallery, and it's served there. Oh, very nice. And he also uses the little five-ounce bottles, and he gives them away as a courtesy gift. Now, road trip. You being Italian, Tony, have you, you, is it a family tradition of limoncello in your family? And most Italian families, but here's the debate. Milk or no milk? 
And why is that? Because I prefer it creamy okay. as opposed to water-based. But like just that that way. But it, it varies from family to family. You know, some people love this. They don't like it creamy. I like it creamier because it's more of a um, milky, like um, like a shake kind of vibe. It's thicker. Okay. Even though that's thick, it's a little bit thicker. They're both great. And the Italians will argue one side. This is <laughs> we great. know how We're Italians great. argue. It's great. It's great. It's great. They're both great. It's just what you prefer. Well, we have 10 flavors. We have five water base and five cream base. So you've just cut it right down yep. the middle. Right. You're, you're not yep. picking sides. You no, want every- I buy, when I go to her shop, we, we buy. I buy the... Uh, the creamy and but style. believe it or not a lot of men do like the cream bases as well either. really they, really they do I, I would think the women would like the cream bit yeah. you know no no offense tony <laughs> i have a sensitive side as well you know he just showed I've, actually i don't think i've ever seen it around the house i always remember this we're brutes where are you I am Calabrese Abruzzese Napoli okay. down in Sicilian. Wow. Like whole, wow. That is, you've got the whole boot covered. Yeah. 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 I'm just, I'm just Sicilian. You. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, obviously, so you went through the process. You've, you've created a, a great product, but you wanted to take it one step further. You went around, and you are now in 100 Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board stores in and around the Philadelphia. Yes. And you went from making small batches. You were the first woman female-owned distillery in the country. At wow. one time. Well, we're, not well, talk- it- we're talking about when it occurred. Right. You because yes. anyone else is following your lead. Correct. So, wow. very impressive. congratulations. I thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, definitely on an yeah. absolutely amazing product. I thank you so, and, so much. And what, what did it feel like? I'm, I, it had to be there at times that you wanted to quit and say, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. I never felt like that. That's I, why you did it. I never right. felt like that. This is a mission for me, and I will keep continuing this until I can tell them 500. And... Well, you're 21 now, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So what, were th- what was the most difficult step or hurdle that you had to go through in order to open up for business? To sit and wait for my license to, to come. <laughs> and we know how long it takes the government to do yeah, anything. Right? How long does that take? Well, it, now it takes a year. It took me five years. Did it? Wow. wow. Yeah, it, I guess- it, it takes a year right now. When I when I got into the, to this, it took five years. Wow. So what did you do for five years? Make a limoncello, uh, but she couldn't sell it, right? No, perfect I, the product. No, actually, I had to perfect the product, right? And I did actually have it. I used to make it in the house, mm-hmm. and then I and uh, drink it and drink it and give it to my family, <laughs> which I am one of eight, mm-hmm. and. Um, your question was? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> where, are you, where, what did you, where are you selling it? But no, no here's no, what no, she no. was doing. She was giving the limoncello yep. away free. free. She was selling the bag to put it in <laughs> for, for $35. $35. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> well, did you let that? That's know. how Italians do it. Yes. And it was Joe, cash. would you like, hey, I, 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 I'm not, this isn't my final product, but I want to, you know. I just got to move some of your... Uh, did you let them know? Be like, look, I'm not happy with this, but, no, but actually, I have to move, get it out of my house. No, so, I, no. It, actually, the, the worst part, what uh, Derek said, was that it was waiting for the license because so, to do this, you have to have a factory and a license and an address before you even... 
So you're waiting. Let me get this straight. So you're waiting for your license. Correct. For five years, and you're drunk every day because you're drinking (laughs) everything you have. So what did I do? So so did you ever? What did you ever get on the phone every week? Hey, what the hell's going on with my license? Every two weeks, every three weeks. Yes. And and you just kept every and 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 you got the runaround. You got the what? It's taking it's in process. Do you work? Did you work there? (laughs) I'm the one that approved you. That's why. That's why it took five years. Five years. That's exactly what. That's exactly right. You wow. call and you sit there and you wait. And now, has anyone uh, reached you or contacted you, knowing that you were the first female distillery? Has anyone reached out to you, say, "Hey, can you help me? Can can you work with me through this process? Have you consulted with anyone?" No, actually, I didn't. Actually, who, who reached out to me was ABC Channel Six FYI reached out to me and gave me a chance and put me on the map. And that's how they knew me. They do a good job of that. Correct. They do. They, really every, do. Every, they do in the city. And also, it should be noted that as you as you stated, you started this whole uh, setup for Polyod in the memory of your son. A, a portion of all of Polyod's proceeds fund a scholarship for underprivileged children in memory of your late son, the Thomas Joseph uh, Thomas J. Veretti. The third memorial scholarship. Absolutely, that's what I content. That's my mission to do, forever. Oh, that's and ever. very impressive. I, oh, that's what I want to do. I don't want to make Polyod no more. I just want to fundraise. <laughs> wow, well, you raised a lot of money. Already. I just want to let the let p- hire people, let them make it, and I will fund. That's great, and you have had to see firsthand the transformation of East Passionk Avenue. Yes, it was um, very empty when I got there, and now every store is filled on. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to take credit for that? Uh, yeah, take credit no, for it. Go ahead. I wasn't. I wasn't the first on Passionk Avenue, <laughs> but I was the first female distiller in the state of Pennsylvania. I'll take credit for that. <laughs> there, you yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. You and, always have that. And That's you were br- sure. you were bringing everyone to get Polyod, and they said this is a pretty nice area. And I also have the first non PLCB retail store too ever. Since uh, and I also my vendor partner, so I got. To, I'll probably be a Jeopardy question in ten years from now. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's I great. I hope I'm on that night, and great. it's the final question. There you go. <laughs> and we hope Winston doesn't answer it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Derek will get your name wrong, and he won't get yeah, it right. Yeah, well, that's a problem. So. <laughs> He'll lose there. Now, I would have to guess that Lemon is your flagship, flagship and bestseller. Am I correct? Mm. No, you're, you're oh. not correct. Oh. Oh. It's actually Don't go on Jeopardy, okay? <laughs> it's actually the best seller in the state stores. Yes, you're right. It's, it's the best seller oh, because it's... Oh, thank you, Joe. No, no don't no, no, do that. No. It's the flagship flavor, and it's in the state store, so it's the best seller. But in the store, the creams are the most desirable. Are they? Well, okay. And they will never go to the state. Because oh, there's no preservatives, no yeah. chemicals, no food dye, no food coloring. Uh, yeah. And they won't accept it or you won't sell it? No, there's no preservatives. So could they you won't hold. It. It won't could hold. you see it sitting on the dock right. yeah. in 100 degrees of weather and <laughs> right, right. there's cases of cream cello? Yeah. Well, as long as you they'll, get paid for it. No, they'll be spoiled cello. Yeah, yeah. So it's... it's, um, it's it's local, all, local only. Right. Yeah. You can that only come sense. to 1908 East Passion Gamut to buy it. Right. So now, now, now's the moment to let everyone know the maker of the limoncello. What's your favorite flavor? They are all my babies. Oh, <laughs> we knew the answer. Actually, I'll tell you, I do like bananas. 
and I can eat bananas all day. And I don't have a potassium problem. <laughs> so I actually do love my banana. Can you name all 10 flavors? Yes. I have lemon. I have lime. I have chocolate. I have orange. And I have mango water base. Then I have lemon cream, orange cream, banana cream, chocolate cream, and strawberry cream. Derek just took his shoes off. I bet the banana, <laughs> but the banana cream's I, good. Yeah, yeah. No, and I just actually popped a bottle of our new upcoming flavor, which will be out next year. It will. It's called pumpkin spice cream. Mm. And I served it this weekend, and I also will be having coconut cream, and I also will bring back the old Italian anisette. Oh, really? Right. Okay. Yes, and we're going to make anisette as good, well. Good, good. Now, good, good. Do, are you in any restaurants? Yes, I'm in restaurants. As a matter of fact, Noir across the street carries my whole 10 flavors. Excellent. And good. actually, uh, Trace Glee buys two right directly across the street. They're, my, they're in and out because they're close to me. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I've heard that a location that has quite an assortment of local different flavors is Kagan Kitchen. <laughs> of cellos? The tomorrow. He, tomorrow. Who happened tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> They're one better than the other. <laughs> in Jersey, no, not available in Jersey. No. no, but if you find me a distributor, it could be available. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. she will work through it. No. Uh, yeah, we're actually we're we're not allowed to cross state yeah. lines. And John, I mean. Uh, you recently just partied up a little at Dave and Buster's recently. Right, right. Dave and Buster's was talking great about up there. first in the state. It's the first in the state in New Jersey. Uh, it was fantastic up in Westville. Um, I, I didn't know that they weren't allowed to open. Uh, Dave and Buster's wasn't allowed to operate in Jersey because of the the, the gambling, gambling laws. Gambling right? laws. So they were they had some laws change in that local municipality, and they opened up right at the mall there. And it's it was fantastic. And the food at Dave and Buster's was really really good. Really, like yeah, top notch. My son's twenty four. I haven't been in Dave and Buster's a long time, but I didn't realize it's not just for kids. Dave, like, Dave and Buster's has changed over the yeah, years. Yeah, they really have. Their, their menu's gotten a lot more sophisticated, a lot more uh, uh, millennial friendly. Yeah, uh, they do a good job. Agreed. And the free, and the food was just really fantastic. You know, and it's odd that you. Just- you, th- you don't think you of think- that because you've got the Jersey Shore, right? But I guess they really don't mix food in with the amusements and. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the, the most of the amusements are. Separate. Have you been to a Dave and Buster's? Yeah, I've been. Oh, I've, been I I've, that. I've been to the one in Philly, but yeah. uh, do you know who's winning? Who would that be? Chef Barbie, Chef Barbie Marshall. Chef. Yes. Hi. How What's are you? Up, Barbie? Hello there, Barbie. Barbie, we, you must have got stuck in a tunnel. Why don't, <laughs> why, why, don't, why don't you tell us in a, a quick minute or two what's hot and happening with you? Um, so I had a chance to go to a Hendrix Gen Academy and um, recommend that anyone go to any of these events when they can. Um, we're going to have the Gen Master come in and talk on the show one day in January, I believe. Yes. And you just really learn how to make cocktails in the history of Gen, which is really wonderful, and um, learning all the flavor, flavor components to go with Hendrix. And then I went to the opening of Yard's Brewery, which was, well, Yard's Tap House, I'm sorry. So that was really cool. It's on the corner of Fifth and Spring Garden, and, you know, it's their beers and some uh, snacks and a little menu. So everybody should try that out, too. Excellent, excellent. And are you still alive and kicking on this season of Hell's Kitchen All-Stars? I have survived another... another Oh, my money is still... For you. Who is on Barbie? um, Barbie, I'm going to be homeless if you don't win it all. That's exciting. (laughs) 
all my money's on you, Barbie. But thank you. Well, so we're much. off next week for the holidays. That's right. So, so no health kitchen and no small bites See you either. In two weeks on yeah. Friday. No small and bites. No small either. bites either. Yes, no small bites either. So we'll talk to you again uh, Sunday, December third. Talk to you on December third. Thank you much. Fun. Chef Barbie Marshall, most influential chef in Pennsylvania, is named by Cooking Light cool. Magazine and still alive on Hell's Kitchen All Stars. She's the favorite, don't you think? Exactly. She's my favorite. Yeah. Glenn. Hey. Glenn Groves, Fat Jack's Barbecue, and I have an announcement. Marsville is opening on Black Friday. Good. Oh, wow, good. John Dorenzo, you can check me out. Uh, I am presenting Copper Chef on QVC2, and you can find me. I'll be on with you uh, Thanksgiving on the main channel QVC, so um, look for me at noon. Awesome. I'm Derek Tim of BlueJeanFood.com. We had uh, Chef Oliver, Keg and Kitchen, Joan Verratti, Polly Odd. We also had... Uh, Chef Richard for his uh, cookbook, Eating Well to Win. Uh, we also had True Whip. And last but not least, again, Tony Luke Jr., thank you for coming in. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me. Hashtag brown and white uh, this holiday season. And let's make sure that we keep the dialogue open and the conversation forever. Create a bracelet, a brown and white bracelet. Wear it during, Hall- during Thanksgiving, take a picture, and post it at hashtag brown and white. Yes. Tony wants to see that. Yes. He- Everyone, thank you so much. Happy holiday. Happy holidays. We end the show like we always do, but with a little twist Uh with Jackie the Joke Man Martlin, and we actually have a message from Tony Luke Jr. to our friend Monk Man Barbecue. Everyone, have a safe and happy holiday. Happy holiday, everybody. Why, hello. I'm Jackie Martling, and this is Small Bites. Here we are in the classroom. The teacher says, Class, today I want you to use the word beautiful in a sentence. Okay, Betty. Um, teacher, I think you're very beautiful. Oh, thank you, Betty. Very good. Dirty Johnny stands up in the back and says, Yo, teach. Don't give it a shot. All right, John. Go ahead. Johnny says, "Uh, Last night we were sitting at the dinner table when my sister said, Pop, I'm pregnant. And he said, Beautiful. Just friggin' beautiful. <laughs> Hi, this is Tony Luke Jr. And I just got done eating an amazing lunch from Monk Man's Barbecue. The barbecued pork was outstanding. The mac and cheese, shrimp, and jalapeno, insane. Do yourself a favor. You definitely got to check out Monk Man's Barbecue on Facebook. Tell them Tony Luke Jr. said hi.